When I was younger, much younger, actually a kid, I was sort of a military history buff. I read a lot, didn't matter kind of what the conflict was, that was all kind of interesting to me. And I remember reading particularly one time about World War I and its first year. If you know anything about military history, it's pretty horrific. But in that first year, when it came Christmas Eve, something remarkable happened. In one trench of soldiers, the Germans think it was the German trench, and the British say it was the British trench. An officer, a soldier, just started singing Silent Night. as a way to recognize some degree of hope, some hope for peace in the midst of this hellscape. So he started to sing it, and other soldiers in the trench joined him. And soon it became quite the chorus. And that sound carried over no man's land to the other trench. As they heard it, they too, in their language, began to sing and sing and carry the tune in unison. Later on, that would, that would morph into actually a cessation, a cessation of hostilities for a day. And they would just stop and they'd say, no more fighting. They'd get out of their trenches and they would just come and exchange a few gifts and smile for the first time. It became known as the Christmas truce in history. Remarkable starting with Silent Night, going to other hymns. But as you know the history, that was just the start of a really horrendous four-year, almost five-year-long war with amazing loss of life. Silent Night became symbolic of an oasis of peace, of a time where you could just kind of pull away from all the challenges, all the difficulties, all the issues, all the, the stuff that makes life hard. And then it, because Silent Night is always associated with, with the stable where Jesus and Mary and Joseph are, and the baby in the manger in this kind of bleak landscape, you know the, the, the image that I'm describing right now. It's like, oh, okay, this is what Christmas Eve means. A pause in what's going on in the world. And we can just take a step back for a moment from all that assails us and say, Whew, there's peace here. I have a sense of peace. I can take a break from the conflicts that are going on and I can be in this place of peace. But if you just think for half a moment on the scriptures that have been read, this idea of Jesus coming as the Prince of Peace, the idea of, of the peace that is being described here is not a momentary oasis. It is in fact to be our entire life in Christ. It is far more than just a break. It is really a calling to something that is holy and sacred and life-giving and meant to be perpetual, not only in this life, but in the age to come. And if we think it's only for the age to come, then we're missing out on what the promise of Christmas truly is. And so I want to explore that with you in tonight a little bit. Uh, the first thing is we need Peace. Is there anybody that, that thinks they have too much peace? It's, uh, you know, I've been kicking it for a long time, and I'm just, I'm, I'm easy. I mean, I don't even know why I'm here uh, tonight, because I'm just really chill. That's not me. That's probably not you. There are any number of world conflicts that are in the news right now, whether that's what's going on in the Middle East, or Ukraine, or Sudan, or Myanmar. There's things going on in our communities, in our neighborhoods that give us concern, things that are changing, things that are challenging. 
you know, what's my response right here locally? And if that isn't enough, there's things going on in our own lives, in our own hearts, that don't go towards this place of peace, but feel more like turmoil, feel like challenge, feel like disconnection. This is a good time to welcome the Prince of Peace. So we need somebody who's bringing us peace. We need Jesus. We, we need him, you know, in America more than probably we thought we did. I, I looked up, there was a Gallup poll recently on, they asked 100 people in 102, 122 countries how often they feel peace with their thoughts and their feelings. The top 10 countries, the average was 64% of the people who were asked said, I always feel peace. Wow, 64%, that is so cool. Of course, Americans, we do everything bigger and better. So we said 70, no, we didn't say 70. We're at actually 28%. You, you know who's, who scored it in the top 10 countries? They're mostly from Latin America or the Caribbean. It's not the stuff that necessarily we need that brings us peace but it's connection and relationships. But we are in need of peace. How do we get to that place? It's more than just downtime, it's more than just pulling back, as necessary as that is. I love the Christmas season. I love the opportunity to be with family, to have a succession of days where after tonight, I don't have to, you know, I'm just uh, a dad or now I'm a new granddad, so that's very cool. I can spoil our grandson and then give him back. Um, so I can do those things, and I'm looking forward to that in kind of an uninterrupted way. But that's not what we're talking about, of course. We are talking about seeing Christ as our peace. There's actually a church. You were part of a, a, a diocese that does church planting. And one of the newer churches in our recent annual report was a church called Christ Our Peace. That's such an appropriate title because to understand Jesus is to understand him in a number of ways, but to understand him as the giver of peace. What is it that we're talking about? When, when, when the New Testament talks about Jesus is, is our peace, when, we, when it refers to the Prince of Peace, it's using that Hebrew term, shalom. It means well-being. It's not just the absence of conflict, but it is the provision of everything we need for life and health. And that is, that is only known by our connection with God the Father. Life and health apart from him is always going to be a limited time offer. Always going to be subject to destruction and distraction and, and eventually death. But life in Christ is what we need. Life in God is shalom, well-being. Not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. That's the fundamental understanding of who our Prince of Peace is. Yes, he helps us in the middle of all the things we're experiencing and all the challenges that we face and all the mysteries that we have, if we will let him. But it is more than just him helping us. It's not just the absence of the things, those things in our life, but it is really having him with us in the middle of all of those things. So Christ is our shalom, wholeness, well-being. It's meant in so many ways. In the Old Testament, it means when, when God was providing shalom, he was providing a sense of protection. He's providing a sense of provision. He's, he's, he's making sure that Israel isn't crushed by their enemies. He's making sure that they have an opportunity to worship and to, to know him, to experience him. That's what the whole temple and tabernacle is about. When did they not have peace? In the Old Testament, basically, the lesson is they don't have peace when they're separated from their God. 
And they separated themselves by running after other gods that they thought would bring them more of what they wanted. And what they wanted was apart from him. So then Jesus comes because he knows that the, the nation of Israel, the original people of God, are in a hopeless situation. They cannot help themselves. There's a breakdown of shalom. That well-being, that what now oftentimes gets called human flourishing, is not their experience. How can that be regained? Enter the Prince of Peace that was foretold in the prophet Isaiah that was read here tonight. Here comes Jesus. He is the Lord, we're told, and he is the Messiah, but he's coming as an infant. He's coming the way each of us came into this world. He's coming that way so that we would know that he is just like us in every way, yet without sin. And he's coming that way so that we could have a, full, a fuller appreciation of what it means to have him empty himself and come down from heaven on our behalf. That is an amazing and incredible gift. And he did that to restore Shalom. To bring us peace. To bring us specifically his presence in all the things. Starting with the presence that said, you know what? That stuff that, that you were running after, those false gods that, that take so much of your time and your energy. If you're running, if a person's running after wealth, for example, it takes a lot to keep a wealth track going. You have to figure out, okay, how do I do this and how do I do that and how do I protect this? I'm not saying that wealth is bad. I'm saying that if that is your God, it will create a level of anxiety and a level of, of angst because it requires something that we cannot possibly give it. We can't know the future. We don't know what will happen. We don't know the calls and the, the ways that, that God will allow things to come into our life that will say, hey, use that to bless that person. Use that to serve that particular ministry. We don't know those things. Christ is our peace. Not only wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, but Prince of Peace. He comes that we might be saved because we cannot have peace without that whole aspect of salvation. The reason that Jesus came. Romans reminds us, tells us in chapter 5, since we've been justified with faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through whom? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. His presence with us, His Spirit in us, is the guarantee of the peace that he wants to provide for us. The idea and the reality of having the peace of Christ in one sense is not dependent on us because Christ has freely given that to us and we have received that. But to, can I, I don't know if I can use the word, activate it, it is to come before him and say, Lord, I want to be in your place of peace. I want to experience that sense of you being in the middle of whatever I'm going through. See, Jesus is trying to, to press that on his disciples. Both Mark and Matthew talk about the time where Jesus tells his disciples to get into a boat. We're going to the other side. Kind of, you know, they didn't realize that was actually a guarantee. But they get into the boat. A storm comes up. What happens? All kinds of water is being shipped in. They're cold. They're freezing. They're scared. These are experienced sailors, seamen, and they are seeing a boat that is in great trouble. And then they look over and they see their Lord who is asleep in the back. <laughs> Obviously not a maritime person. We don't know what's going on. So they wake him up. And they wake him up gently and they say, oh Lord, could you possibly? No, they say, hey, don't you care that we drown? <laughs> like, isn't, like, we know what's going on. We, we can read weather. We can read wave height. 
and none of these are good signs right now. And we're about to drown, and you don't care. They don't actually say that, but they're like asking that, that question. Don't you care? And we know what happens. Jesus stands up, and he, he bids the wind and the waves to calm down. And it becomes flat calm. They say, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this, this Prince of Peace that we need in our lives in each and every one of our situations, our, the hopes that we have for the future, the challenges that are in the midst of us? Who is this Lord that is our Savior? He's not only saving us for time and eternity, but He is calming wind and waves and what is going on in our lives. Sometimes He actually calms them, like we heard in, in Mark and Matthew. And sometimes, probably oftentimes, it starts with just giving us the ability and the experience and the stamina to take one more step in the middle of the challenge that we're in. I used to run marathons, believe it or not. And um, it's been a long time. But a marathon is 26 miles. I don't know why I got started on it. I, I, I don't know why. But the hard part is like mile 18. 18 miles is a long way to run. Then, the marathon's actually 26. You got another eight miles to go after the 18 that you ran. And I remember mile 18 one time, just like, oh, what was I thinking? Who challenged me? Why did I pay all this money to join this race? And in one particular race, I was running, and uh, the race that I was in was renowned for people wearing costumes. One guy was dressed up as kind of like, if you know the old Mary Poppins movie with Dick Van Dyke, he's a chimney sweep, he's got a top hat, he's, he looks kind of ropey with his vest and all that. And this was a guy, he was running as a chimney sweep, and he had this parrot on his shoulder, and he's kicking my... He's beating me a lot at mile 18. I'm like, I cannot let this guy beat me. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know if that was a particular God moment, but it was a sense of like, I'm at mile 18. I'm not feeling, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not where I want to be. And things are getting worse. And so, you know, anything that you're in, whatever marathon that is, you pray. Like, Lord, I need your strength. I need to get through this. I'd just be happy to finish I'd really be happy to beat this guy with the parrot, but I'd be at least happy to finish. Our, our Prince of Peace is the one who is with us in whatever version of storm or perseverance that you're in. And even though he's not physically with us like he was with his disciples, that sense of peace continues. John 14, he's with his disciples the night before he's going to be betrayed. We'll celebrate that whole blessing of God at communion in a little bit. But he says this, I, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Where is the room for fear in our hearts when we know Jesus that way? If we allow his spirit to come in, it'll crowd out that fear like it should. It'll just like, oh, okay, well, I'm not, I, somehow I have a peace that transcends understanding. Like it's guarding my heart and my mind. The situation I'm in, it should be normally freaking me out, but it's not. Is there something wrong? Do I need therapy? Am I in denial? No, that actually could very much be, should be 
the way that the Spirit of God works. Jesus is never in a hurry that you read about in the Scripture. He's not flummoxed, like scratching his head. He's present. He knows what he is, is cultivating in each of us in the way of fruit and perseverance. He knows the plans that he has for us, and they're always part of his loving plan for us, both now, for time, and for eternity. The things that we go through today are the things that allow us, that if we'll allow Jesus to carry us through them, will be the ways that he enables us to bless other people. How often have you been blessed by somebody who's gone through something that you're going through, and you think, man, that's just what I needed to hear in this moment. That encouragement was powerful and necessary, and thank you, Lord, for organizing it. That's how God redeems the stuff that we're in the middle of, if we would allow him to do that. The church that we used to be a part of would talk about taking tests and making them testimonies. That's a good way to understand that. So let me just close with how, to, how, do, we, how do we enter into that? Well, I love the example in the, in the gospel that Cindy read of the shepherds. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Oh, I love that. Let's go and see this thing that had happened. Okay, that, that's probably pretty naturally. They see this amazing uh, host of angels appear to them and tell them about the Messiah is born and where to go, and so they say, let's go see. But believe it or not, that would be something that oftentimes we don't want to do. That would be something that on occasion we just say, I should be seeing, but I don't want to go. I should be, here's the situation, Lord, what do you want me to do? I could open up your word, but I'd rather just numb out in front of TV. I could phone a, somebody that I know who can walk alongside of me, but, you know, I just don't want to do that. I could just be quiet, Lord, and be in your presence and pray to you and praise you. But let's go and see, say the shepherds. So then what's next? So they hurry off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby. They go to where the Lord is. And when they go, they find him where he said he would be, where they were told he would be. And then they spread the word that's concerning. They spread the word concerning what they'd been told. So the way I, I want to press into the, to welcome the Prince of Peace in any areas of my life where um, I need that. You know, again, the, the, the love of the Lord isn't necessarily known in the absence of challenge or conflict, but is known in his sure presence with us in the midst of these things. But he does bring those to an end as well. And so I want to go in the midst of whatever I am in and find the Prince of Peace. I want to go, I want to find him, and then I want to be able to tell others what he's done. When we do that, we see that God is using us to be agents of peace. Now, a little bit later in the service, we'll say, peace be with you. And that's more than just kind of a polite greeting. It's more than just sort of catching up. It's literally a bestowal of, of God's presence. You're, you're saying, I, I want to bless you with the shalom that is only available in God. I want you to have what he has promised us. So there's something so deep and so significant in that. And then when we close our service, there's a blessing that begins with peace be with you. These aren't just polite kind of churchy things. These are real movements of the spirit. 
that we might live out the life that he has purposed for us in the challenging world in which we live in a way that glorifies him and allows us to rejoice with him when we're in heaven. That's the welcoming of the Prince of Peace. That is this Christmas that we celebrate and we're honored to do. So my prayer is that we would each be able to allow the Spirit in the days ahead just to bring that to mind, whatever reading, whatever part of the message, whatever your devotion you're in, that you would know He is not only in you, but He is around you in every circumstance. Amen.